0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series on the future of financial compliance. This podcast series is sponsored by Verant. Verant is a provider of reactive, active, and proactive compliance solutions for the new regulatory environment for financial services. You can check out their website, www.verant.com. Over this five-part podcast series, I'm visiting with Phil Fry, the Vice President of Go-To-Market at Veren. We are considering how Verint is changing the future of financial compliance by challenging the accepted wisdom through capture, control, sustainability, and oversight. I found this process extremely useful to think through a wide range of compliance issues such as anti-corruption compliance, trade compliance, AML compliance, and frankly, any other type of compliance. Today, in part three, we discuss the issue of control. I know you will find it fascinating. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with Phil Fry, Vice President of Financial Compliance and Go to Meeting Strategy at Varrant. We are in a five part podcast series, and today in episode three, we uh, take up the issue of control. Uh, Phil, that is maybe a term that a compliance practitioner in a wide variety of compliance disciplines finds difficult to get a handle on. Could you tell us what you and Barrett
1: mean by the term control? Uh, Absolutely, Tom. So, primarily, we're talking about the tools and techniques that we employ to keep operations compliant in the moment. Look how we prevent non compliant actions taking place or are alerted to them when they do so, so that when we can take immediate and remedial action. Now, typically, That happens by a variety of methods, um, often serviced by different tools and mechanisms, and maybe even the responsibility of varying individuals. Look, they will be monitoring activity, sometimes in real time, sometimes soon after the fact, or in near real time, as it's sometimes referred to, and maybe even periodically every month or every week. Now, fairly obviously, the further we move away from the moment, the less opportunity there is to put it right, so to remove the non-compliance. Otherwise, it becomes just a learning point, something to inspire changes to processes so that we avoid a reoccurrence in the future. For me, I'd like to see more done to prevent non-compliance happening at all, as I'm sure we all would, for the compliance regime to operate proactively so that it can spot situations when compliance breaches are in danger of occurring and step in to prevent it.
0: Phil, could you give us some examples?
1: Oh, sure. Um, uh, So for example, um, a great place to start is by taking a cohesive approach to validating the collection and quality of the interaction data that is gathered during the capture phase of your compliance measures, you know, call recording and the like. So the communications channels and the technology in use today is expanding and recording or capturing interactions can get complex it is not all unusual for elements of this technology ecosystem, sometimes software, sometimes devices, to stop working as intended. But because it's largely working silently behind the scenes, it often goes unnoticed. The first you actually know about it is when you need to collect all the recordings for a regulatory review and discover that a trader's turret has not been reliably recorded for the last three months, and that included the period of the transaction under investigation. That is not a good thing to be trying to explain to the regulator. So to counter this possibility, many organizations carry out daily checks to see that the recording platforms and physical devices like the handsets and dealer boards are working correctly. But that is resource intensive and time consuming. And despite that, it probably doesn't give you the assurance that everything is under control because you don't have the manpower to check 100% of the infrastructure 100% of the time. And yet, as I mentioned before, new regulations like the SMR are demanding that senior executives have that control. So if that task were handed over to an automated validation tool, you could run comprehensive start of the day tests every day and know whether everything is working properly rather than guessing or hoping based on a partial sample. If there's a problem, you take the action needed to put it right or circumvent it before business is transacted in a non-compliant fashion. The increase in efficiency and levels of assurance that results is a massive benefit for the organizations as a whole and allows the compliance team to spend their time on fundamentally more complex tasks that demand their special skills.
0: Phil, one of the things I continually hear that bedevils compliance professionals in all forms of compliance is the number of different communication platforms involved in any business organization. In this podcast series, we've identified multiple uh, communications platforms. How do you apply the capability you just described across that sort of complex environment?
1: Um, Look, as you'll hear when we talk uh, in a future podcast about sustainability, I firmly also believe that it is vital that we adopt open standards when creating these capabilities. There will always be a mixed bag of solutions at play for these compliance regulations, not to mention the systems in the back office. Now, it's only about embracing an open approach that we can help these various systems to coexist and interwork with each other. The view of some suppliers that all you need is a one-one-in-all proprietary solution doesn't work in this fluid environment we now find ourselves in. Are there any other ways to build better control? Um, well, another example of of staying on top of the changes within the workforce and being clear and sure that you're monitoring and recording all those communications that need to be monitored and recorded as soon as they're added to the roster or for that matter, removing them once they cease to occupy that role. It is possible to automate that process to provide confidence that no one is left out, that new starters or those changing roles are monitored and recorded in compliance with your policy from day one. And the same tools could also validate the completeness and quality of those recordings. Look, in our conversation about Capture a couple of days ago, I also referred to capabilities that monitor and proactively control the use of collaboration tools, you know the Teams and Skype for example. The way in which these ethical wall features operate to prevent non-compliant exchanges or to intercede and ensure that appropriate policies are followed is another great example of how the technology can be, be used to provide greater control.
0: Well, with all the other compliance challenges, uh, what would be your thoughts on why compliance teams, chief compliance officers, and compliance professionals and business executives should give this uh, priority?
1: well it, it's a difficult thing for them. They have you know huge tasks they've got huge areas to deal with, but really, I think it's simply because it's in their best interest to do so look it, it's never a bad thing to establish effective control mechanisms that help avoid the negative consequence of non compliance potential fines, or other sanctions and loss of reputation. And avoiding these issues also helps to cut down on the additional workload occasioned by the need to investigate incidents and collect evidence for review. Look, and most commentators will tell you that when issues do occur, the work needed to investigate and rectify them is easier, less time consuming and resource hungry if you have good compliance, good governance and control systems in place. Look, these are all positive outcomes for the business that can provide a return on the investment needed. Look, at a personal level, senior executives can, as I've mentioned before, under various regulations, be held personally accountable for technology compliance failures when the penalties range from hefty fines to actual imprisonment. And I think that, too, is a pretty powerful incentive.
0: Well, Phil, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I've been continuing my exploration with Phil Fry, the vice president, uh, financial compliance and go-to-market strategy of Variant. I hope you will join us tomorrow for episode four, where we take up sustainability. Phil, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode in our special five-part podcast series on the future of financial control. I hope you'll join us tomorrow where we take a deep dive into the tools, processes, and techniques to keep an operations in compliance. This special five-part podcast series sponsored by Barrett is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.